Nearly 130 years ago, an anthropologist visited Callis and recorded songs, words, and stories from members of the Passamaquoddy tribe. For years, these field recordings, some of the oldest in the world, were largely hidden from public view. But more than a century later, the recordings have been digitally enhanced and shared with the tribe. And as Robbie Feinberg reports, the Passamaquoddy are working to interpret and present them. Let's go 24. How about that? I'm just picking that out of randomly. Dwayne Toma sits at his kitchen table in Perry, Maine, and pulls up an audio file on his computer. When he hits play, his speakers emit a scratchy, slightly garbled recording. Through the white noise, Toma scratches out the words he hears, rewinding every few seconds. Word by word, Toma is attempting to transcribe and translate dozens of these old recordings, some of which are being heard for the first time in more than a century. I really, uh, I wept hearing their voices, knowing that I'm probably, probably one of the last fluent speakers on the reservation, and that we're still continuing uh, this process to be able to revitalize our language and to be able to bring it uh, back to life again, so to speak, and give it some attention that it really deserves. But to understand the story behind these recordings and their significance, you've got to go back to the year 1890 and an anthropologist named Walter Jesse Fuchs. He was on a quest of documenting tribes across North America. Passamaquoddy Tribal Historic Preservation Officer Donald Soctoma says before he embarked on his journey, Fuchs borrowed an early audio recording device, a phonograph from Thomas Edison that recorded sounds on large wax cylinders, about three minutes at a time. So this was the first time they take this big piece of equipment and modernize it so he could use it outside. In March of 1890, Fuchs went to Callis, phonograph in hand, and met with three representatives for the Passamaquoddy tribe. Um, the three spokesmen for the tribe sang songs, told stories, and did basic things like pronunciation of words and numbers and days. Fuchs recorded more than 30 cylinders in total. But for decades, the recordings were forgotten by many. Historians say Fuchs's family likely held on to them for a time, and they eventually ended up at Boston's Peabody Museum. Tribal members didn't hear the recordings again until the 1970s and 80s, when the Library of Congress reached out to them. It was part of an effort to catalog thousands of the wax cylinders and share them with tribes. A Passamaquoddy tribal elder received a cassette of the recordings, but at that point, they were scratchy and difficult to understand. Then, about a decade ago, a similar effort was attempted using digital technology. Guha Shankar, a folklife specialist at the library's American Folklife Center, says the 1890 Passamaquoddy recordings were some of the first that the library wanted to restore. Uh, Historically, they're the oldest materials that we have in our archives. In 2013, Passamaquoddy Tribal Historic Preservation Officer Donald Soctoma met with the agency. And then I told them that one of the things I'd like to do is develop culturally based website where the tribe controls its stories, its language, without any outside forces trying to take it over or commercialize it. 
Over the next few years, the tribe agreed to partner with the library and other institutions on the project. The library would restore the recordings, and from there, the Passamaquoddy would decide the next steps. Here's, uh, here's our SR-12, which is a salutation song. Since last year, the tribe's youngest fluent Passamaquoddy speaker, Dwayne Toma, has spent hours painstakingly transcribing and interpreting each cylinder. He notes each word, story, and musical attribute, even how the language has morphed and changed over 130 years. The work is then reviewed by a panel of other fluent Passamaquoddy speakers. Some finished pieces have been added to a curated digital website kept by the tribe. After efforts to eradicate Native American culture and language, Thomas says this project is critical for passing Passamaquoddy culture to future generations. And I think that's really what the goal is really, is to influence the children because they are really the key to um, uh, passing this language on and for them to continue it. So I think it needs to stem from them. There's still a lot of work ahead. While several cylinders have been reviewed, more than 20 remain. But already, the songs and stories have begun to weave their way back into tribal events. Toma has sung several of them in public. His daughter also joined him for a song last year at an annual celebration. The year before, Tribal Historic Preservation Officer Donald Soctoma played a song from the wax cylinder recordings to a group of young children at the tribe's language immersion school. He says one of the teachers joined in. She'd learned a version of the song from her grandmother. And then, a month later, Soctoma visited again. I said, I'm going to play it again. And the teacher said, no, you don't have to play it. Just listen to the kids. So those kids around that table were singing the song. I said, wow. I just had a big smile on my face. I don't smile much, so my heart was smiling. My face was... For Maine Public Radio News, I'm Robbie Feinberg.